You know, the Bible says that out of the mouths of infants and babes, God has ordained perfect praise, Psalm 8 verse 2, to silence his enemies. I love the fact that when children praise him and worship him, the enemy just goes zoop, and he can't speak. So let the children praise him. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It is good to see you all. I hope you had a really great Christmas and New Year. And um, hey, 2020 is over. <laughs> At least that's the sentiment for most of the people, most of the the world that I can, I can, you know, I've experienced is people are just dying, not literally, but metaphorically, to, uh, to get out of 2020 and get into 2021 and a great hope that 2021 will be better than 2020, which of course we hope it will be, but of course it may not be. Thanks, Kate. And um, I just felt this morning as I was preparing um, for this morning, I really just felt this sense of the Lord saying to us, press on, there's more. I love the fact that, you know, in worship, we've been just magnifying and glorifying the beautiful name of Jesus. That, that line in, uh, in So Will I that says something like, uh, on a hill you created. That's the word I was looking for too. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard when you have a microphone in your, in, on, in your head to, to remember that there's other people in the room. But that's cool. That, that line in that song that says, on a hill you created, abandoned in darkness to die. What an amazing, amazing God we serve. The who is coming close, Emmanuel, God with us, who has given us of his, of his very self, not just given us rules, to follow, not just give us standards to live by, not just given us the, um, uh, you know, the, a way to follow, but he has given us himself as the way and has given us himself as the truth and has given us himself as the life. And what we've just celebrated in communion of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is what we've just celebrated. We're actually celebrating not just his death and his burial and his resurrection, but celebrating our inclusion in that so that when he died, we died. When he was uh, buried, we were buried. When he was raised up again in resurrection life, we were resurrected with him. When he ascended to heaven, we ascended with him. And when we, he was glorified, we were glorified with him too. That's the glorious truth of the gospel. It's good news, isn't it? It's such good news that we're not, not left on our own down here. Part of Jesus is being glorified. It says in Acts chapter 2 that when he ascended to heaven and he was sat down at the Father, right hand of the Father, and he, he was glorified, he received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit who he then poured out to us. You know, it's good news that Jesus was glorified, not just because we're with him there, but because he poured out his Holy Spirit upon us that we might live forever united with him, become one spirit with him, not in our own ability, not in our own strength, but in the power of of the resurrected life of God, the power of, the he of heaven upon us. And so I want to take a look at that this morning. I want us just to take a moment to, to look at, press on, there's more. And I want to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to take a little time to look in chapter 3 of Philippians. I'm going to read the whole verse, but then just focus on, a, on a, or the whole chapter, I should say, but then focus on uh, a few verses. But I just love to read scripture publicly. 
And it's just good to get the whole flow of, of it. So we're going to read from Philippians 3, verse 1, to chapter 4, verse 1. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to uh, a church that he founded in a city uh, called Philippi. He, he founded the church in great difficulty uh, and great trial. He, um, he, when he founded the church, he got thrown into prison pretty quickly and found himself in jail uh, with Silas at midnight, worshipping and rejoicing. And God did an amazing and glorious thing, an earthquake that came. And, um, and then the jailer, who was concerned about the fact that prisoners might have escaped because all of their chains fell off. You know, when Jesus shows up, all of your chains fall off. But the, the jailer, has the, who wasn't in chains, but it was in metaphorical chains in, 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 his, in his life because he wasn't walking with God, Those, that jailer found salvation in Jesus Christ. And so Paul was writing to his, these people that were, the, this church that was birthed out of these supernatural encounters uh, and this place of joy. And he says this, finally, in verse one, finally, my brothers or brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And they, what he's talking about there is he's talking about the, um, the people who uh, were in the, the ancient uh, and Jewish faith who were basically saying you have to be circumcised in the flesh to follow Jesus. You have to follow the customs and the rules and the practices of Moses to go to heaven. It's not just Jesus, it's Jesus plus your works, Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus all these things that actually that's what makes you saved. And Paul says this, he says, look out for those dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. I mean, it's pretty strong words, isn't he? It's pretty, it's pretty strong to say, look, look, he's going to go on to say, look, don't hold back because there's so much more for you. But his, his, his ire, if you like, his angst against these people is people that are trying to hold you back from the more. Look out for them. Look out for those. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Look out for those who try and bring you under religion. Look out for those who try and bring you under this sense of you're not doing enough. There's something else that you have to add to. He goes on to say in verse 3, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. The dude had it together. In his religious fervor and his zeal, Paul was a model example of what it looks like to be a good religious Jewish person. He had it all going for him. But verse 7, he says this, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish, or other translations, the word there is actually refuse or dung in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Don't you love it that there's a God who will correct our theology? and correct our thinking and bring us into line with his purpose and his plan. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things." But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I love that. I love that scripture. Paul's just outlining the glory of the grace of God. Paul has said himself, he said here in this passage, he's saying that basically I had two choices. The, choice I had, the first choice I had was to rely on my own strength, to rely on my own ability, to rely on my own goodness, to, follow, to rely on my own strength, to follow the works of the law, to do all the things that the, the, the law of Moses required me to do, to be a good person, to live up to a certain standard. That was choice A. But that choice was going to get me nowhere. That choice was going to leave me hanging. That choice was going to leave me in a place where I wasn't going to actually make the grade. I was only ever going to live in this place of understanding that I was never quite good enough. Paul says in, in another place in, in, in uh, the scriptures, he says that the purpose of the law is to show us that we need a savior, not to give us a standard to live by. Because the law can never be fulfilled. Jesus said, in fact, your righteousness needs to be greater than the, than the Pharisees because it's not just about what you act, it's the way that you think that the law applies to as well. Therefore, if you think murderous thoughts, you've murdered somebody. If you think angry thoughts, you've murdered somebody. If you think lustful thoughts, you've committed adultery. So it's not just at the level of the law. But Paul says, I had the choice to follow that and it would have got me somewhere in the human realm. It would have got me... A place he had, he said, I had to gain. I, I, you know, think about Paul. He was in a place of good standing in his society. He was, he was going places. He was getting a good reputation among the religious zealots of his day. He, was, he, he had opportunities. He had career pathways. He had things to do. He had places to be. He had people to, uh, you know, to, to love on him and lord him and tell him how amazing he was. He had his own sense of goodness and perfection that he could say, I was perfect, I was zealous, I was this, I was that, I was the other, I hit the bar. 
That was an alternative. That was one alternative for Paul. The second alternative was to say, actually, all of that human system, all of that what seems like a good, even religious system, that seems like a way that I can achieve righteousness with God, I'm gonna, I can set that aside and I can go for, I can press into the righteousness that comes from God, which is perfect righteousness, which is pure and true and good, and it will enable me to have a heavenly calling. It will enable me to fulfill my purpose and my destiny in God. And so Paul's saying this, all of that stuff that I could have relied on, all of my former things, all of the, the goodness, all of my experience, all of my pride and all of the things that I have done, all the things that made my life to be somebody, I actually counted them all in the world. I counted them as nothing and rubbish and zero and of no account whatsoever. What are we holding on to in our lives that gives us meaning and significance that's outside of the righteousness of Jesus? What are we holding on to that gives us a sense of purpose that's outside of Jesus? Maybe for some of us, uh, it's our, uh, our, our own ability to be good, to be kind. We're good people, we're kind people. Maybe for some of us, it's, well, we've got good jobs. We've got good bank accounts. We know we've got, we've got, uh, we, we've got good family. We, 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 we love our children. We have good investments. We have stock. We have dreams. We've got plans. None of those things necessarily in and of themselves are bad. But if that is what we're relying on, if we're putting our hope in that, Paul's saying, it's going to get you nowhere. The only, only thing that you can put your hope in that's going to get you somewhere is the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And what is that righteousness? It's actually God's perfection. One of the things that we, would, you know, we celebrate in communion is that uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness? It is actually our ability to hit the mark and to fulfill the purpose that God has called us to. It's to live a holy and pure life. It's to live a life that's acceptable and pleasing to God. This is the good news of the gospel. If you've said yes to Jesus, you're already hitting the mark. Because the righteousness of God is Christ Jesus and you are in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus has given himself to you, he's made you his own. He's given you his life, his joy, his righteousness, his peace, his provision, his Holy Spirit. He's given you everything that you need. And so our righteousness is in him. You know that we live by grace. Grace upon grace, Jesus. It's, uh, John says when Jesus came, he was grace upon grace. Everything that we do in our walk with God, everything that we, we achieve, everything that we experience that's good, it all comes not because of our own ability, but because of the magnificent grace of Jesus Christ, because of his kindness to us, because he's given us his perfection to us as a free gift. But he's given us so much more. Paul says this, he says, what I want is I want to know him. So one of the things I love about the gospel isn't just, again, as I said before, it's not just a set of rules to follow. It's actually a living relationship with perfection himself. It's a united, it's a, uni it's a life of union with the, the joy of heaven. It's a life of union with the peace of heaven. It's a life of union with the love of heaven. It's a life of union with the purity of heaven. 
that his life becomes our life, that the joy and the, the peace and the, the purpose and the destiny that he has for us becomes ours in Christ Jesus. Oh, it's such good news. It's not dependent upon our own ability. In fact, our own ability is rubbish. We've got nothing to be gained from trying to do it ourselves. We've got everything to be gained by trusting in Jesus. And so Paul's desire isn't just to, to, to kind of, in a sense, go to heaven, but his desire is to know Jesus. It's to share in his sufferings. It's to know his resurrection power. That's what's on offer. Paul understands what Jesus is offering is this eternal life that's about knowing him and experiencing his power and his goodness. It's about walking in his perfection. And Paul says, but I haven't yet attained it already. I'm not yet perfect. I'm not there, but this is the one thing I do. The one thing I do is to press on. The one thing I do is to lay hold of him who's laid hold of me. The one thing I do is I realize that Jesus has given me everything, that everything that I need for life and godliness, everything, all the power in heaven, the, the gifts, the anointing, the, the character, the purity, everything that I need, the purpose, the destiny, everything that I have, he's given it to me. Therefore, I am going to lay hold of it. I am going to press on because there's more, Paul's saying. There's more. So for this, and it's a pretty straightforward message at the start of the year, but there's more. There is more. And many of us, we've been hoping, if, if, you know, in the world, they're hoping that, they're, that 2020, we're going to get out of the place of, of, of the, where we have been with the pandemic and the economy crashing and the elections and, and what's going to happen here, there and everywhere. And you know, we're hoping that we're going to be able to not have to wear masks for the rest of 2021. At some point, we're going to be able to travel again. We're going to be able to, to you know, come back together you know, in bigger gatherings. We're gonna, maybe whatever our hope is, we're going to see Maybe a change of president. Maybe we're not going to see a change of president. Whatever our, pray, whatever our prize and our treasure might be. But Paul's saying, look, don't put your hope in that. Don't set your focus upon that. Don't press on for that. Press on for Jesus. Press on for Jesus. And so Paul makes this really, really profound statement. He says uh, in verse 13, I do not consider that I've made it my own, this righteousness, this purity, this holiness, this relationship with Jesus. But one thing I do, I press on toward the goal. I press on towards the goal. I press on towards the goal. What's the goal? The goal isn't a better 2021. The goal isn't a new president. The goal isn't a better economy. The goal isn't stocks that are going to increase. The goal isn't a healthy body. The, the goal isn't, you know, New Year's resolutions that we mean we're going to go to the gym more often. The goal, the prize, is Jesus. Paul talks about this. He's, he said, I gave everything away because I got a glimpse of the magnificent worth of Jesus Christ. Just think about that. We've been singing about that this morning. The magnificent worth of Jesus Christ. Abraham said, uh, God said to Abraham, I am your reward. Jesus is our prize. And what's on offer, the more that he has for us, is more of himself. Is the prize, is this upward call. This upward call to experience and to encounter God. The prize of heaven 
the prize of our lives, the things that we're straining for, is not more stuff. Our citizenship, Paul goes on to say in verse uh, 20, is our citizenship is in heaven. And from there, we await a saviour. You know, there's nothing on this earth that's going to save us. No president, no economy, no healthcare system, no society, no family, no relationship. There's nothing on this plant, this realm, in this natural realm on earth that's going to save us, that's going to fulfill our hope. Well, our citizenship is in heaven. We await a hope that comes from heaven, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so when Paul's talking about the prize, I think there's two dimensions to this prize. He's talking first and foremost about ultimately when we go, when we pass through this earth into the heavenly realm and we receive our full citizenship of heaven, where we get our, our, our bodies that may be getting older and more decrepit and, and uh, we get those lowly bodies and we get transformed out of those bodies into the fullness of his glorious body and we take on the full likeness of him. I love the fact that, that you know, two, 1 Corinthians six seventeen says that we are one spirit with him. So our spirit is already like him, but our bodies are going to catch up. We're going to be made like him because we're going to see him as he is. And in an instant, we're going to be changed and we're going to get a glorious body. And we're not going to have to worry about going, having to wear glasses or having to have hearing aids or having to be in wheelchairs or having to walk, 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 have crutches or having to worry about our bodies decaying because ultimately we're going to see him. And in seeing him as our ultimate prize, our bodies are going to be changed in an instant and we're going to become like him because we'll see him exactly as he is. And we'll receive that prize of the glory of Jesus together and we'll experience him. What a glorious day that will be. Well, we'll be face to face. There'll be, no need for, there'll be no need for faith because faith will be eclipsed by what we see face to face with Jesus. He is our prize. He's our eternal worth. He's the surpassing worth that we glory in and we worship and we hope, put our hope in. But yet there's a, the dimension of heaven, eternal life isn't just when we get to heaven. There's this dimension of getting to know him more and experience him more and encounter him more right here on earth right now. Because eternal life is to know him, Jesus says, John 17, and to know the Father, to know the one whom he sent. And so our eternal life starts now. Our eternal life is now. We're in the process. We're in this glorious realm where we actually get to experience more and more and more and more and more of the life of Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, we're transformed as we behold his glory from one degree of glory to another. In other words, as we transform, as we fix our, our gaze upon Jesus, as we experience his surpassing worth and his glory, we're transformed to be just like him, not just into heaven, but even in the now. He is our prize. It's the upward call. That upward call is now, you know, it's not just to keep our eyes on the earthly realm and to look at our politics or our healthcare or our government or our, our own bodies or our own success, but it's to look at Jesus. No matter what happens in 2021, whether it's better or whether it's worse, God forbid, but who knows? Our prize is not coming out of COVID. Our prize is not having a happy life. Our prize is not having a better society. Our prize is not experiencing better health. 
Our prize is infinitely more than that. Our, our prize is infinitely worth more than anything on earth. Our prize is God himself. And there's this upward call, a constant upward call for us, which is to turn our affection, to turn our gaze, to look at him and to keep our eyes focused on him. Whether we're in, you know, working in our business in, you know, we're as, an, as an employer, whether we're an employee, whether we are a student, whether we are at home looking after children, whether we are um, you know, working in government, whether we're working in healthcare, whatever place we are, wherever we find ourselves, there's this constant upward call of God because he's brought us into relationship he's brought us into this place of experience and encounter with him together and so there's that upward call are you going to answer the upward call this year are you going to focus your eyes and your attention your affection upon him because there's more He's given us of his Holy Spirit. And so of his Holy Spirit, he's, the righteousness and peace and joy are in, on the inside of us. But he's also given us the, the ability for prophecy and, and for words of knowledge and for gifts of healing and faith and all those other gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us. Are you satisfied with where you're at or do you want to know that there's more? Do you want more? Do you want more? Do you want to experience him more? Do you want to have a greater exchange of divine ideas and strategies? Do you want to have a divine exchange of emotions? Do you want to have a divine exchange of resources where you step out of your resources and you step into his resources? There's more. And it's not that there's going to be, therefore, a worry-free life. No, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But the reality is you have the more of God already. And he's given us everything. And so that we have a choice. We can stay stuck in our past. We can stay stuck in the reality of the disappointments, our failures. We can get stuck in our successes. We can get stuck in the glory days. Remember those days. We can get stuck in the things that have defined us. We can get stuck as we're holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness or anger or a wishful thinking that we could have it like it used to be. We can get stuck in, we just wish we had made a different choice back then when we were choosing our career. And if we made a difference, then we could have made a different choice. Maybe we could have had a different outcome. Maybe we can be, feel stuck because we feel like maybe we married the wrong person or, or took the wrong university degree, university degree, whatever it might be, we can be stuck. And we can stay, every moment that we get stuck and keep holding onto the past, we don't get to move forward. It's like driving in the car. If you drive in the car and you look in the rearview mirror all the time, you're going to go nowhere or you're going to crash. The thing to do when you're driving in a car is look through the front window for the sake of you and the sake of everybody else. <clears throat> what is it that, that you need to let go of? What have you allowed to define yourself? What is the things that are in your past that keep coming up, that keep causing you to fall short of the grace of God. Maybe there's bitterness or anger about a relationship or something that's falling you know, down at the moment. Maybe there's some anger about your finances or other things. What is it that you need to let go of? Because God wants to give you something else. But while you carry things in your hands, 
You can't take anything else in your hand because your hands are already full. So what are you going to let go of? What do you need to let go of? What is in your life that's been defining you or controlling you that you, uh, that you just can't let go of? Maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing. It's a form of success that you're trying to get back to. That moment, that heyday, you know, I don't know about, you know, simple, silly illustration. You know, I used to play uh, a number of different sports and, um, you know, I can still remember some of the plays that I made. I was thinking about this even yesterday, you know, rehearsing 30 years ago, this memory that came back into my mind of this moment that I caught the ball and scored a try in rugby. And I'm like, what am I thinking? But I can see it in a moment. That was my heyday. That was my glory moment. But there's more. There's so much more. But maybe there's, there's, you know, but, you know, we, we latch on to those kind of things, don't we? We hold on to those things. We hold on to good su- successes, things in the past. But God's saying there's so much more than that. So here's what to do. Pressing on looks like this. I'm going to let go of the past. Now, Paul doesn't actually f- totally forget the past because he says things like this. He said, this is a true statement that I was the worst of sinners, but God has found me. And he's chosen me and he's called me to his glorious grace. It's not that we then just act, live in denial, but we realize that God has found us in his grace and the past doesn't define us anymore. But what, so we let go of the past, but then we press on to what he has for us into the future. To press on, to, to lay hold, this word, this, 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 uh, uh, verse 13, is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to, lies, to what lies ahead. I was looking, you know, in the Olympics and other athletic events, they have uh, the 400-meter race, right? It's like one way around the track. And that, but there was, um, there's also a race called the 4x400, which is four people running a relay where they have a baton that they run with, and when they get to the end of the 400, they pass it to another person, and they run around, they pass it to the next person, they run around, they pass it to the next person, and they win. I was just watching this uh, video uh, about this uh, high school team that was um, running the 4 by 400 meter um, race. And this one particular team, were um, this one guy, he started the race. He was the last of the four in the team to run. And, and he was three seconds behind the winner. Bear in mind that it takes 45 to 50 seconds to run around the track. Three seconds is almost a 10% margin. He was, he was almost 10% behind. He was three seconds behind. You've got to cover three seconds in 45 seconds to 50 seconds. And he watched this race and he takes off and he, and he has one thing in his mind. I'm going to win the prize. In that moment, he could be saying, my team, they let me down. How could they run so slowly? What, were, what on earth were they thinking? Why did the coach put me in this position? Why didn't they let me start? Then I could have at least given them a head start. You know, I could, he could have been focused on the past. But what he's doing, is, if, you, if you watch this race, he starts to strain forward. And he's straining forward and he's running and he's running and he starts to catch up and he comes down the back straight and you can just see the gap closing. And he comes around the final bend and the crowd is beginning to go wild and he's running around the final corner and as he comes around the final corner, he's closed the gap of three seconds and he overtakes this person and he presses on to win the goal and to get the prize and he wins. 
It's an epic moment. He, he, he actually broke the record for an under 18 year old or under, and a schoolboy, right? He almost got an Olympic record. Why? Because he was forgetting what was behind and he was straining towards what was ahead because there was a goal in mind. The goal in mind is this. It's not, an, it's not the outcome. The goal, the prize, Paul says, is the magnificence of Jesus. To experience his well done, to experience his love, to experience his joy. Are we going to press on? What is pressing on? What does straining forward look like? Well, to me, it looks like taking time to give him my all, to worship him. You know, we all have busy jobs, we have busy lives, we have busy families, we have busy things to do. We live in a world that's very demanding, there's lots of people to see, places to be, work to do, needs to meet. But let us not, in our busyness, forget to press in, to gaze on the magnificence of Jesus. Revelation 3.20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and we will sit and have fellowship together. This is the opportunity, anyone. Anyone that hears my voice is the opportunity. Are you going to be anyone? There's the hearing, there's the perception. Hear my voice, I'm going to open the door. Are you going to be the one that hears his voice, opens the door and experiences great fellowship with him? Are you going to dine with him? Are you going to have communion with him? Are you, or are you going to sit back and say, you know what, the relationship that I have with Jesus is, is sufficient. I don't need to take it any, to another level. I know that there's more, for, but for me, the cost is too great. I'm just going to sit with where I'm at. Thank you very much. Or are you going to press on to experience the more of God? In the Holy Spirit, are you going to press on for experiencing more of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I was in just yesterday uh, sitting down in, just in my living room as I'm experiencing God and I'm sitting before him and I'm waiting for him. I'm just remembering that God himself is a river. And that he says that there's a, for those of us that, that love him and know him, there's a river that's flowing on the inside of us, that throws, flows out of the throne of God on the inside of us. That river is flowing to us to, for us to experience his love and his joy and his peace and his healing. Are you going to experience more of the river for yourself? Are you going to experience more of the Holy Spirit? The invitation is to tune into him, to experience him, to allow him to overwhelm you with his love and to fill you with his goodness and to pour out his kindness and his refreshing upon you. It takes intentionality. It takes moments to say, Lord, I know that you have more for me, so I'm pressing in. There's more to experience of love. The writer to the Hebrews says this, consider ways to outdo yourselves, to outdo one another with love. There's more of that river that flows to us than flowing out of us to consider how can we outdo ourselves in loving each other and loving the lost. 
Are there more people that we can serve? Are there more people that we can share the love of God with? Are there more people that we can, ex- that we can, that we can uh, release a prophetic word to? Is there more of the life of God? Is there a greater level of accuracy in our words of knowledge that we can step into for the love of God? Is there more? There is more. Press on. Press on. Press on. Press on. Don't hold back. I was, you know, I was reminded with Jonathan earlier as I was coming out of pre-service prayer, reminded of that, that film. Remember the film Racing Stripes? Anyone see that film, Racing Stripes? It's the, the, whole, it's the zebra that wants to be a horse, a race horse. No, it's a Disney film, I don't know. These, our kids used to love it. But there's this line, you know, as he's racing, and he's racing against these thoroughbreds, and he's got short, stumpy legs. He's a zebra. He shouldn't be, he's not designed against, to do these things against the thoroughbreds, but he wins the race. Oh, I shouldn't have given you the story away. But he's got this little phrase, don't hold back, leave it all on the track. Don't hold back, press on. As we look to 2021, let's not put our hope in earthly things. Let's not put our hope in change and transformation at an earthly level. Put our hope in the glorious surpassing worth of Jesus. Worship him, allow him to undo you, allow him to captivate your heart, allow him to let his fire burn within you that you would be transformed. Determine and resolve in your heart to not let the things of the past to hold you back, but to keep pressing in. If you need, therefore, to have counseling and ministry, Ash and I have been doing that over the last few months just to keep ourselves dealing with the issues of our own hearts so that the things that we've experienced don't hold us back. If you need help, get help, but don't let things hold you back because there is so much more of God for you to experience. There's so much more for us of the life of heaven to experience the glory of God that wants to break in upon us as a community, that the earth would be transformed, that your neighborhood would be transformed, that your workplace would be transformed, because you and I carry such a high degree of the glory and the intensity and the magnificence of Jesus that everywhere that we go, people fall on their faces because they are so full of the radiating presence of Jesus that's coming out of us. That's the more. It's not just that we have a nice little existence, it's actually we experience and encounter God to such an extent that everything in our society changes. We want our society to change, right? But we're not going to get that through earthly means, we're going to get that through the glory of God coming upon us and for us radiating that glory, discipling people into that, experiencing and encountering the love of heaven, walking by the power of the Holy Spirit, releasing the life of God to everywhere that we go. Don't settle for where you are at. Jesus, help us. Put, us. put a fire, put our hunger in us that causes us to stretch forward, to reach the prize. Even if we're three seconds behind, there's no disqualification. You can still achieve the prize because the prize is based on grace and the life of God. I want to invite you to stand.
So what do you need to let go of? What is it that you've allowed yourself to define, to be defined by? What is it that you have a hope in that is actually not coming from God our Savior, but maybe a hope in something else? Where is your hope? Are you, where is your citizenship? Just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate your hearts. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts, bring wisdom and revelation right now, and would you show us that everywhere where we have latched on to something in the past that is defining us and holding us back? And as the Holy Spirit shows you that, I want you to just take a moment to repent, to ask the Holy Spirit for forgiveness. Go something simple like, Father, I'm sorry that I have put my faith in something else. I'm sorry that I have allowed myself to be defined by the relationship that I had or the failure that I had or that business that went bust. The truth is, Lord, I've allowed my life to be shaped by it and I've allowed it to hold me back. Maybe there's unforgiveness and there's a person that you need to forgive and you just need to just say, Lord, Lord, forgive me for holding on in unforgiveness to that person. That's caused me to hold on to them with two hands and haven't been able to therefore let go and hold on to that which you want to give me. Forgive me, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask for your healing right now. We release the healing angels to bring healing to every place where we felt intimidated, where we have felt beaten down, where we have felt stuck, where we have felt in pain and anguish, where, where we have felt rooted to bitterness, where we have been living in unforgiveness. Would, would you release the angels? Would you release the Holy Spirit now to bring your healing into your life, to bring your freedom? just take a moment then to say Lord I want to press into you this is not something that we're going to be able to do in our own strength although that does require our will but we've got the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to keep us pressing forth pressing forward so just if that's if you want to ask the Holy Spirit for more in 2021 more love more joy more of him more of the power of the Spirit, more accuracy in prophetic words, more accuracy in words of knowledge, more uh, of the purpose and the vision that He has for you, more in, of ideas and creativity for your business, more for, of His emotions for your emotional health, more uh, of, of uh, His grace and patience and fruit so that you can have better relationships, whatever it might be, the more of heaven more souls to be saved, more people to be touched, more lives to encounter, more of our community to be transformed. He's the God of the more.